Hello and welcome to the latest podcast of our Downton Gabby off season. We're just going to be talking about anything and everything that's on fall TV because are we really loving anything? Not sure yet. And we'll also be discussing Nancy Meyer's latest film, The Intern. I'm Shannon in Oakland. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles. And I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. So let's start off with some Downton Abbey news, which I'm now going to call Droughton Abbey because mm-hmm. we are feeling the drought of... Oh, I see. I yes. see what you did there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there is, a, there is some news. First of all, it's on in the UK. So we know that it's happening right now in another country. I haven't seen any spoilers so far, which is good. People are being classy. Maybe. Maybe that just means there hasn't been a major death yet. Mm. <laughs> so the other the other thing is that Julian Fellows, we know he's working on Gilded Age, allegedly, but he also has another show that's been officially announced, um, Dr. Thorne, which is um, a Victoria, Victorian-era novel by Anthony Trollope. Uh, and it's going to be a three-part drama for British television. Um, and it's starring Tom Hollander, who you may remember from Gosford Park, as that nebbishy little guy who is being bossed around by other people in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And strangely, Alison Brie. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Love her. Why not? And Ian McShane, who I know from Deadwood, but he's been oh. in a lot of things. I love a gift from God. Awesome. He is so a gift great. From God. He is yeah, so amazing. So. It's like I would just watch him walk around a blank room and just pontificate. <laughs> He's so wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's happening. I don't know when. Um, and then the last bit of Downton news is our very own Lily James, otherwise known as Rose, uh, is starring in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And the trailer is surprisingly fabulous. I really liked it. I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah, I did not expect to love the trailer as much as I did, but it's great. And she looks very good in that Empire Waste mm-hmm. look, I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I thought the trailer was a lot of fun, which I, I, I'm i relieved because, you know, female-centric horror film and it's a period piece and it's, I don't know, it's just a lot could go wrong. nice to see. <laughs> yeah, a lot, could, a lot could go wrong, a lot could go right, and I'm glad to see that it's going right. I want these, I want more movies with, you know, lady casts kicking ass. Absolutely. Um, and also, I just, I think Lily James seems to be, like, Kira Knightley 2.0, where she is never going to be able to, like, wear jeans in a role. <laughs> <laughs> it's just nothing but corsets for her whole career. Totally. So while we're anticipating these new British shows, let's talk about what's going on on US TV this fall. A whole lot of not much. <laughs> So there's there's probably a couple shows that are female centric that we can be moderately excited about. Maybe let's let's discuss and see what we think. Um, are we watching Quantico? Yes, yes, but not much longer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the thing: the lead actress is like, I'm so happy to see both her in this starring role, Priyanka Chopra, and. Also, there's, like, three or four other women of color in the cast, which is great. But I'm not sure how much longer that is going to keep me watching when it feels like... Like, every episode basically feels like the same episode again. Yeah. 
The pilot is really good. I thought the pilot yeah. was super strong. It had some really great twists, some really intriguing dark backstories. Um, and then episode two and three just got back to that same old network drama shit that I hate of like someone's keeping a secret from someone. And then, you know, someone's turned their back on someone. It's like so predictable and boring that I'm already bored. Yeah. I actually have a high tolerance for that kind of drama, but I think by episode four, what's happening is the things we think are people's secrets are turning out to be false secrets, and there's more secrets underneath. And I'm just kind of <laughs> like, you have to you have to give me a chance to log on, latch on to something that's real and develop a feeling about it before I'm going to care about a bait and switch. Yeah, it's all bait and switch. That's pretty much all it is. I've only seen two episodes, but I, I definitely agree with the sort of idea of secrets on top of secrets on top of secrets. And it, I do feel like if I was sitting in the pitch meeting, it would have been, we're going to take How to Get Away with Murder at the FBI, and it's going to be a little like Homeland. Yeah. With a really diverse and gorgeous cast. Yeah. Of people who would never be in the FBI because they would be on TV. With, right. You know. Um, so I like the... I like the pilot a lot. The biggest disappointment in the pilot is the um, character that um, is only in the pilot for reasons <laughs> I won't spoil. Uh, yeah, I was really I was disappointed so excited to see that person. Yes, who then wasn't actually in the show. Yeah. Yes, I really like that other person. person. Yeah, who subs in a similar kind of role is just not as good as that person. No, yes. not in the show. So yeah, so that was very <laughs> disappointing because I like that actor, and um, I was yeah. really pissed off when it was clear that they were not going to be coming back for the rest of the show. Although it was a great twist. It was a great twist. Yes, it was a great twist. But someone else could have had that twist, and we wouldn't have lost this particular actor. But anyway, yeah. they're busy on another show. I also feel like there was some stuff that went down in episode four that was getting so simplistic with the whole terrorism aspect of the plot that it was it was becoming offensive to me. Mm. Like it was very much just like there are sleeper cells everywhere and all they have to do is email your son and then he'll be with them and blah blah blah. Like it was like all the way on the super scaremongery side of things that we really like don't need to be a part of our mainstream media, in my personal opinion. And I'm like, all right, it's just a soapy show about a person on the run. But on the other hand, like, I don't know. I just wish that they were dealing with that aspect of it a little bit more carefully. Um, because none of the characters seem to even be bothered by why Alex would have betrayed them right right it's just kind of like well somebody got to her and we're just accepting that somebody could have gotten to her why because she's brown like it's she's indian <laughs> like yeah. are they, are, am i supposed to believe that there's like indian sleeper cells in america or something like i really don't know i just think they're not handling that very well which frustrates me one thing i think they actually do quite well is because they're jumping back and forth in time a lot I think they they actually handle the construction of the shows pretty well. Um, I never really lose my place about where I am in the past, in the present, in some other yeah. magical place. I mean, I think that that's all pretty tight. I also find that the characters are fairly well-defined. So even though they're sort of stereotypes, um, 
I, I actually can tell all the characters apart because sometimes if there are too many guys with really closely shaved beards, mm-hmm. I get them really confused. <laughs> and in this case, I, it is fairly distinctive. I was really noticing that, like like I said, there's multiple women of color and all the dudes are like the same white beefcake kind of dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, they really, really run together a little bit at some point. Um but I, but I agree. I think, I think there's a lot of potential here and I'm just hoping, like, I, I wish it had been maybe like a 10 or 13 episode show. I feel like because this thing has to last 22 episodes that we're in a draggy period that feels kind of like the middle of a season of 24 when you can just like check out for six hours. Right. Thing. Yeah, I actually, I'm so over the 23 episode season. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I really feel like it's too long now when you see how much you can do with 10 episodes or 12 episodes or even yeah. six episodes. I mean. I think shorter is better. I think I'm just not a network drama kind of girl. I mean, I even lost interest in Jane the Virgin because I thought it was too many episodes. I still love it. But I just think shorter <laughs> forces you to do more with it. I mean, think of how much they do in Game of Thrones every year. Yeah. Well, and Teresa made the comparison to How to Get Away with Murder, which is doing 15 episode seasons, which I feel like is on like the outside edge of how long you can sustain that kind of crazy. And it, you know, I, I enjoy that show a lot, but there were times in, in season one when I got a little fed up, but I was like, eh, there's only four episodes left. Like, right. of course I'm going to watch it, you know? But right now with this show, I'm just thinking unless they can deepen things a little bit in the next few episodes, I might just kind of forget about it. Like, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I won't be on Sunday night. Like I'm not going to be thinking about it. Really? The only show that I feel compulsion to watch right now is walking dead. I feel like, you know, people talk about it in pop culture and there's the shock factor and there's also, Oh, sometimes it's really good. I mean, a lot of times it's not, mm-hmm. but when it's good, it's really good. Um, but I don't really feel like any other shows really kind of have that compulsion right now attached to them. I mean, I guess maybe the Shonda shows, but I've, I've been checked out of those for years now. Scandal has been really good this season, so <laughs> I will say that. Um, yeah, I checked out of that show a couple seasons ago when there was a bomb under a building. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember. Lost, lost that one. <laughs> I kind of wipe the slate clean with Scandal every season and just say, like, I don't remember what happened. I'm just going to wait for <laughs> the part where Scott fully takes his shirt off. Um. <laughs> he does nothing for me. But okay. Oh. oh. Um, the, only, the only two shows I'm watching compulsively are shows that I've been mulching compulsively for years now, which is Nashville and The Good Wife. Mm. And those are long season shows, and I still really enjoy sitting down with both of them and seeing what they're going to give me this week. I'm always excited to watch Nashville, even though at the end I'm usually, like, ready to throw something. It's like, I don't know. If they don't have somebody, just help Juliet. Just help her. (laughs) I don't, like, everyone's like, she's changed. I'm like, she's ill. Someone fucking help her. All I have to say about that. Yeah. Well, it's been a very dramatic season so far, and I've been weeping on occasion. I still really love Connie Britton. I don't care what she does. I'm just going to show up and and watch her read her lines. And, you know, The Good Wife, I'm not talking about that anymore. You all know how I feel. So I'm done. It's true. Yeah.
Another new show that we did check out was um, the much-buzzed-about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is another one that I feel like has a lot of potential, but I'm not quite sure how I feel about it yet. What do you guys think? I loved the pilot. I just gobbled that pilot up. I mean, it was like Bridget Jones in a musical, and I just... It was so charming and... And Wes Covina. Oh, I sang that all day. <laughs> and it was like subversive in a lot of great ways. I mean, with the whole rapper guy at the end with his list <laughs> of bitches to apologize to and his voicemails. Really it was good. so weird and it was so funny and it was so brilliant. And then the second episode was like, what is going on here? And I feel a little like when I watch Trainwreck of like... Are you making fun of this character or are you praising this character? Like, what does is she a girl that hates other women and is trying to steal a dude, or is she really all about girl power? I it's confusing. So I'm not. I got to see how the next episode's going to pan out. I'm with you. I I don't quite know what to make of it. Um, I'm going to keep watching it. I'm a musical theater nerd. I love production numbers. I can't wait when they start bringing more musical theater people in. The woman who plays her friend at work Love is like um, just like a cabaret singer in New York. I mean, it's great. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what's going on. I think that's oh, that's okay at this point. But I guess like because I did feel like the pilot was setting up. Oh, maybe this will actually be more about female friendship than anything else. And then see, episode two was just kind of all over the place with that theme. And I thought we were going to end up with sort of like uh, several interesting female friendships going on. And it seemed like one totally imploded and it was only going to... I can't tell if it's going to be a one episode joke or if that character is coming back. Right. So I feel like I'm, I'm on the fence about that element of the show until I see where they're going with it, which is fair. Um, right. But also, I just... I just cringed that they did a Bollywood number in episode two. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I know they're probably going to do a ton of different kinds of musical numbers throughout the season, but I would just like to generally put a, if we could put a moratorium on like white people spoofing Bollywood, that would be right. great for me. Right. <laughs> um, Rachel Bloom, who stars in the show and is also the creator and also is, you know, writing the, the songs is awesome. I mean, I've seen a ton of yeah. her videos. I think it, they're, most of them are really fantastic. I would especially recommend the real-life Disney princesses and uh, You Can Touch My Boobs. Um, they are both hilarious. Um, a lot of her stuff is pretty sexual. It's pretty uh, on the line often, mm -hmm. so I can see that she's going to be pushing stuff on the show also, and sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it's going to be really offensive, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, I'm also assuming that some stuff might be landing weirdly with these first episodes that were, you know, envisioned for showtime. Right. And maybe there's stuff that got cut out that would have, you know, combined the elements a little bit better and, and pushed it over the edge to where I wouldn't be confused about exactly what they're trying to say. Um, I'm also a fan of the co-creator Aline Brush McKenna, so I'm definitely still like hoping that it becomes one of my favorites. I think one of the biggest problems is is that you know you've got she's going after this Josh guy, mooning over him, and then you've got you know this other guy who's obviously perfect for her, and all he's doing is <laughs> hanging around. 
And he's like sober at all these things. They go to this party, they go to this club, he's sober. Like, who is this guy? He's just like the DD or something. He needs more of a personality and he needs to not just be like trying to help her all the time. It's like already really annoying to me. Yeah. In <laughs> a life, dude. He had this he had this line in the second episode where he sort of insulted her for like dressing up like her friend to go to the club, and I just wanted to be like, hey. You don't understand dressing up to go to the club, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Am I supposed to like this guy? Because right now I'm real annoyed. Yeah, (laughs) that character needs to be fleshed out. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's real cute, and I'm on his team, but... Yeah, he's he's super cute. I'm assuming that's where they're going with it. Um, Also, the co-worker characters are all really funny. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's... I had such high expectations that I feel like... I am reluctant to give it time to gel, even though, of course, it should totally have time to gel. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're still with it. I'm certainly still with it. Yeah, I I look forward to watching the next episode, and I'm willing to give it a chance, and I'm hoping there's just not going to be a song about wanting to wear another woman's skin. That was, that was weird. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. I thought it, it was pretty funny. But it was like... <laughs> real weird <laughs> I thought it was really funny I like the weirder stuff like yeah. I feel like that's why I'm curious to see what the Showtime version would have been but I hope they continue pushing it CW is like you know they're known for being a sort of hands-off network and very like supportive of women creators so um and I will say that um on the October 13th episode of the Script Notes podcast Aline Brosh McKenna was on talking about the genesis of the show and how, how they dealt with switching over to CW and stuff. And it was really interesting. Um, so I would recommend listening to that if you're watching the show because it gave me some good perspective on just what a massive undertaking this is with all the songs and everything oh, else. So. absolutely. And, you know, I just hope it doesn't suffer the same fate as Selfie of where people just judge it by the title. Yeah. Uh, there's so many shows, like, I, I don't know, Trophy Wife, Cougar Town, great shows that have, like, ironic titles that people just can't look past. Yeah. Get over it, people. It's just a title. Now, have you seen the marketing? You know, there, one, I think Jane the Virgin is the lead-in to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, I know they're, they're on the same night back-to-back. And there's this weird, like, virgin whore marketing campaign Mm. one has never been touched and the other has been touched a lot or something like that. <laughs> I hope it's better than that. Who thought that was a good idea? Oh, we need to fix the thing where like Hollywood marketing departments are just like three dudes in a room who have nothing to do with anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> like the people who are cutting trailers and making posters and stuff have like, not been involved at all in the making of the show. Can we get one of the people who's a paid writer for the show to like ride some ad copy? Because <laughs> here's I what I think that if if Jane and um, Rachel Bloom's character, if they sat down and talked to each other, I think they would realize that they were both being judged for their sexual choices. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's a little disturbing. Um, speaking of Jane the Virgin. I've just watched the first two episodes, and I'm so bored. I just can't, you guys. I can't. I still like it. I mean, Rogelio, come on. Like, that still cracks me up. But 
I do feel like we're we're deep into baby land. It's this always happens on a show when people actually have the baby. Now we have to talk about the baby. Oh. Now the baby's there, you know. Yeah. And then also, and this ties in with another show that's having a weird, some weird sophomore stuff going on. I know it's a soap. Again, everybody knows they have high tolerance for this stuff. Why are we having to endure another sperm mishap-related storyline? Mm-hmm. And this is not a thing that women do in real life. They do not inseminate themselves secretly with a dude's sperm. And this is happening on Jane the Virgin with Petra. And it's also happening on You're the Worst, which is like, yeah. what? I can't. I can't with this storyline. I need it to go away Well, forever. it also shows this idea that women don't take motherhood seriously. It's just like the Republicans that say women you know, go to Starbucks and then go get an abortion or something. It's like, women take it seriously. And I, I hate storylines like that. Oh, I'm just going to inseminate myself to get back at a man or something. Or get him back. There are there are much easier ways to get back at men that don't require you to carry a child, uh, push it out of your vagina, mm-hmm. and then raise it until it's 18. Name one, Therese. Name one. <laughs> One. Cutting up his favorite band shirts. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'll consider that one next time. Okay. I think the much more interesting way for them to have dealt with Petra in season two would have been for her to start trying to help Michael get Jane back. And then we'd have the characters together for mm-hmm. a purpose, and there'd be more sort of like funny sitcom-y stuff going on there, which I feel like the show can sustain really well with the tone that it has. And I just feel like we're like Petra's storyline is once again. I really like that actress and the character. Totally. It's going to be off in La La Land, not tying in with things, except for giving um, Raphael another excuse to pout all the time. I mean, he's an expert powder. I will say that <laughs> he's an expert powder. He's going to wear a tight blue sweater and stand by a window and just <laughs> pout about it. Yeah. Okay, the one thing I did love about these first two episodes is. Bachelorette, Jane. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Bachel- I thought it was who pretty who keeps funny. showing up in her sparkly sequin dresses, drinking champagne. And I and- like, yeah, yeah. I like that it gave Gina Rodriguez a chance to sort of let loose a little bit. Uh huh. Exactly. She's great. I still really look forward to watching this show, and I'm I'm in it. I think it's I think it's brilliant. I think tone wise, it is sustaining itself, which is great. I just think anything that is this plot-driven is going to have plots that don't work very well. And I hope that, you know, like some of the stuff that's gone on in Nashville, which we were talking about earlier, that they just rein it in quickly and move on. Like, I can forgive a lot, but you just can't make me watch, you know, Insemination storyline for 22 episodes. Right. you got to rein it in. Also, the choosing between Team Michael and Team Raphael for another 22 episodes. And yeah. also Jane sleeping in bed with guys and never having any kind of sex. I understand she's just had a baby. This is actually the most plausible portion of the Jane doesn't have sex right? storyline right. <laughs> right now. So yeah. I can almost tolerate that. But I don't, I don't see that there's any forward movement in this story. I know she had a baby, but aside from that, what has changed? Nothing, nothing really. Yeah, and I think, you know, I'm not sure what they're going to do about that, but a lot of times when you're trying to sustain a will-they-or-won't-they kind of love triangle for a while, the thing to do is to bring in a fourth person and have that blow things up, you know? So I wish that they would 
um, go that way a little bit instead of just, you know, you, you know, I'm in the minority, I'm team Michael, but what do I really want to happen after they get together? Then that's going to be even more boring. <laughs> you know? so. Right. Cause Michael is so boring, but I'm kind of leaning towards <laughs> team Michael as well, even though he's so boring. Jane's boring too. They're perfect together. I'm like team nobody. I'm like team cast another actor, please. I'm team you're 23 years old and you accidentally had a baby and you should probably date around a little bit more. Uh-huh. <laughs> there must be some cute, you know, soccer player in the neighborhood, right? Yeah. yeah there's like, a world of men, you know, yeah. outside of those two guys. Miami Beach? Come on. I know. I would say even in the last episode, too, I was sitting around, like, thinking more, wondering what happened to Abuela's priest boyfriend than anything related <laughs> to Jean's love too. triangle. I, I was wondering the same thing. Uh, let's very quickly go down the list of some other shows and just say, let's have a little bit of a lightning round. Okay. And just say, are we watching? What do we think? What's going on? All right? Go. Uh, Scream Queens. I watched the pilot. I laughed more than I thought. There's a lot of feathers, great costumes. I have no idea what the point of it all is. Yeah, I'm, I keep watching because Jamie Lee Curtis and Niecy Nash are so great, but yeah. I also kind of don't really know what's happening. Also, Jeff Fordham is there <laughs> from Nashville, <laughs> yeah. but he's like playing a, a concerned dad who might also be a killer because who knows? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I, this might be one that I kind of skip a little bit and then check in on later. Ryan Murphy shows are always all over the place, but uh, it's there and it's seasonally appropriate. The costumes are incredible. Yeah. The 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 art direction and costumes are very fun. Yeah. All right. Um, Fargo. It's recorded. I haven't watched it. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I'm so excited for this show, and yet I haven't watched it yet. I actually watched all of season one in one day. Wow. So I've, I'm have i not going to do that this time, but I have been waiting for, like, three episodes to watch all at once. Great. So I haven't started it yet. Um, Doll and M. I'm loving it. Is anybody else watching this show? No. Oh, it is such a treasure. <laughs> a treasure of female friendship. I love season one. Season two... I'm halfway through it is just so wonderful. It's hilarious and touching and feels like real friends. I mean, they are real friends and it just is the, <laughs> you know, Broad City is really fun and campy and this is more like real shit that you go through with your friends. Okay. All right. It's homework. It's a delight. Um, Empire. I only watched the season two premiere and it didn't hook me, but I'm going to go back because cookie forever. Uh, the Affair. Well, I love... <laughs> These are all shows. This is all Shannon. You're watching everything. Yeah. No, I actually... Uh, I'm loving The Affair. So the season one was okay. It just had the two perspectives. I didn't finish it. I, I liked it okay, but I just kind of trailed off and never finished it. Right. Season two is really good because it has the perspectives of the scorned... Um, the scorned partners that, you know, they left each other for this mm -hmm. affair... And it's Maura Tierney and Joshua Jackson, and they are amazing actors. And I love yeah. seeing their storylines. And the writing's just much better this season. The acting, I mean, it's an acting masterclass, which is why I've always loved it. And the filmmaking is gorgeous. It's like so much yeah. novel writer porn. It's like everybody's writing these <laughs> novels on these like houses by lakes and stuff. It's just, it's amazing. <laughs> I, I'll ha I might have to just jump into season two because... I do love uh, Joshua Jackson, you know, Pacey Forever. And I love Maura Tierney. Again, Dr. Abby Lockhart. Oh, my God. Me, she know? is <laughs> incredible on this show. Just jump in season two, honestly. It's so great. All right. 
Um, the Leftovers. I haven't watched it yet. Nobody watching no, this? No. Um, this, see, see, the first two episodes of season two were pretty incredible. And I was um, one of the people who sort of struggled through season one and thought like three out of the ten episodes were amazing and the rest of it was a, a bloody mess. Um, so far they seem to have kept only the good things, which is incredible for a sophomore effort. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very hopeful. Uh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries? Yes, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries is in its entirety on Netflix right now, so all three seasons are there. And judging by my Facebook feed, people are slowly discovering this gem of a show. Um, so I've seen all three seasons now, and it's great. I'm just, I'm just hoping I get the flu, and so I can just plow through it. Um, did I mention on the podcast that I read the first book that these are based on, even though I've never watched the show? It was delightful. Oh, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will, I will watch the show, yeah, I swear. Yeah, delightful, delightful is a good way to describe the show, although somebody, get, at least one person gets murdered in every episode, which isn't so delightful. But, but it's a delightful murder, right? It is a delightful. It's probably very polite. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a delightful series. Can we just write a show called, like, The Polite Murderer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just so sorry about this. <laughs> dreadfully, dreadfully sorry. Just in the wrong place at the wrong time, chap. Um, you're the worst, we mentioned. Yeah, love season one. Um, season two is having some pretty pretty serious issues. Um, but the two leads are delightful, and they're so charming that I'll put up with some really dumb storylines. Yeah, I think they're in a weird place where they don't quite know what to do now that the couple is together. Again, the, it is, it's a, a weird thing. You have to kind of change the whole dynamic of things. Um, but yeah, the cast is still selling an uneven story for me in season two. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I love the idea that they're together now because, and they've touched on some of the things like, are they going to get the family plan with their phones? Because when you do get together, there is this, you don't want to just become like a boring person and a couple. So you're like, no, we're not going to get a family plan, but God, we'd save so much money if our phones were on the same plan. <laughs> so it's just like resisting, resisting the inevitable, but that's funny. People who are in couples do all the things to save you money. This is actually probably the number one thing I'm envious of, of all of you who are in couples, <laughs> yeah. is that you're splitting your fucking costs. Mm -hmm. Just yeah. embrace it. Yeah, yeah. Don't be stupid. But that's when it's that's when the show is at its best. Is like I don't really know how to let go of being single totally and the freedom that comes with that. And I think if they just really went to that place, it could be a kick-ass season. I'm I'm gonna drop a bomb on you guys and let you know what my actual favorite new show of the fall is. Yeah, Whoa. drop it. Drop it. It's the grinder. That show is <laughs> fucking hilarious. You're such a dad. Everybody needs to watch it. Fred Savage is fantastic. Rob Lowe is fantastic. Oh my god. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. I can and see I that. cackle through every episode. It's just a good, solid sitcom. I don't know if the premise is going to be able to sustain itself, but I have loved it so far. Cool. And like... It's the only show, like, the only thing I have to complain about is that the wife, who, I'm blanking on the actress's name, but she played um, the waitress on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, uh, that character hasn't had much to do yet, 
And she's so funny. She yeah. does so much with just like the lines where she's like talking about how Fred Savage's character feels about things. But I'm just waiting for the show to grow enough to include her. And also Natalie Morales is on it. And I love her. I do love so. Natalie Morales, but I don't know. I, I love Rob Lowe. It's really, I love really funny. Savage. I love those guys. It's just like jokes, 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 jokes. Like, it's it's really All right, funny. I'll try and it for it you, makes... Brandy. I'll try it for you. So we've run down a lot of shows that we're watching and we're really liking. Uh, but let us know on Twitter if there's something we didn't talk about that you think is the bomb. Go ahead, drop it on us. And we would love to talk to you about it on Twitter. All right, so we did watch one movie. Um... Did we love it? Did we hate it? What really is going on in The Intern by Nancy Myers? <laughs> um, I, I, I liked it fine. Like, I feel like I will probably watch that again on cable sometime, and it'll be fine again. I don't. I love Anne Hathaway though. So yeah, I'm like the person who's like die hard defending her against all of her detractors. I think she's just so charming, and she just seems fucking nice. People, stop making fun of her. I love Anne Hathaway. I love Andrew Rennells. I love Robert De Niro. Do you know that I used to be Robert De Niro's intern? What? <laughs> yeah, it's true. I got him a triple espresso once. Was this like during Tribeca? Or yeah, something? when I worked. Well, when I interned at Tribeca, yeah. So. Oh man! Yeah, I, you have touched greatness. I have, I have handed <laughs> up an espresso to greatness. But anyway, I really like all the actors. I really hated this film so much. Oh no! I sat through the whole film and I didn't laugh once, and I just kept cringing and I just kept grumbling and. My grievances just piled up and piled up, and even like Festivus would not clear all the grievances I have about this film. No, Therese, there are no jokes in this movie. Right. Ellie, and I, Ellie turns to me and she goes, Everyone is so nice in this movie. And it's true. Everyone's so mm. nice. There's no jokes. I mean, where to begin with this film? Well, I know where to begin. I How we could have rebranded this into a film we would have loved. First off, I didn't hate it. I actually like the first half, and I think it's a really interesting dilemma that this woman has started this internet startup company, and it has been mm -hmm. a huge success in a short amount of time, and now the investors are worried she doesn't have the experience to continue the growth. That's a real issue that a lot of startups are dealing with right now. I find that really, really interesting, and then, so they're asking her to bring on this co-CEO, and she's interviewing these people, and it's like, are they going to help me and my business, my baby, grow in the right way. This is fascinating. I love it. Okay, you have this older intern guy come in who has a lot of different experience, who could be a good, you know, sounding board for talking about these things. These are great. What the fuck is happening with the whole her husband cheating story? Oh, thank you. Yeah. That is so... Yeah. She said she wanted... Nancy Meyer said in an interview she wanted to change how we think about working women. That story <laughs> confirmed everything. That she can't handle being a mom and a wife and a businesswoman and that she's frigid and, of course, he's going to go find a side piece, you know? And I just was... The weird like, thing is she seemed like a great mom. I agree. Like, literally, the only yes. thing she did wrong was she didn't have time to make guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> it's just more about my neighborhood of Park Slope than uh, about yeah. her own parenting skills. Yeah, that's so funny when you summarize it. It's really about the guacamole. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> but yeah, she's a great mom. She's a great wife. Like, it didn't make sense. And then it all just becomes about him cheating and that she doesn't even, she's not even mad at him about it. She's just like, she takes it on as like, oh, I deserve this because mm -hmm. I, I can't decide between work and mm -hmm. family. What the fuck? If they had just renamed this the CEO and just showed about this woman trying to decide what to do with her company and who she should listen to and not even had the family, I would have just watched it Total Workplace. And I think that could have yeah. been an awesome movie. I feel like you've really hit the nail on the head with the storyline with her husband because the whole resolution of the film suddenly becomes what happens to their marriage. And that is not what you you don't even see you don't even see her family for I think 30 or 45 minutes. It's a really long time because I was like I feel like I kept seeing her family in the trailer. It goes from what what starts off as something that could be a, a really interesting work, workplace uh, comedy to something about her being a bad wife and reconciling with her husband and that's the happy ending and we kind of forget that she's actually such an innovative smart business person mm -hmm. that oh she has God. built this incredible company in six months for christ's sake it just pissed me off you guys yeah and i love the opening scene where she's like on the ground doing customer service even though she's the ceo i thought that was like a really good way to set up this character and I thought Ben Ben's character was set up really well too I, I love the idea of watching sort of an unconventional intergenerational friendship I feel like our society has like really weird attitudes towards people of different ages being friends with each other and the and particularly opposite sex and I feel like there's like so much there that they could have done I was waiting for them to have to like pull off a major presentation yeah, together exactly. or like something where like Together, their powers combined were enough to save the company because I don't have a problem with her needing help. I think that's right. Like, like that's not an issue in and of itself. A character who's done everything on their own, realizing that they're better with support of someone close to them. I don't think that has to be inherently like a woman can't do it on her own at all. Um, and I think that we should have explored more. The fact that Jules doesn't really seem to have any other friends and stuff like that. There's just like... I felt like a lot of the stuff that would have been super interesting with it was like this was like a first draft, right? And it didn't explore it, right? And like weird stuff, like Andrew Rennell's. First off, what is his role in this business? He just keeps talking for the board. Why couldn't we have just, a meeting with yeah. the board? And then, <laughs> Give her and a then bad he news. disappears. <laughs> He's not even in the second half of the movie. He's completely yeah. gone. He never shows up again. It's so bizarre. It's like okay, well, this guy was supposedly her friend and kind of her guide in the business, and then he's just gone. It's just... No, we should have jettisoned him, shown her actually getting this news from the board, yes. and make that, make that scene totally devastating. Jettison Rene Rousseau's character as much oh as I love seeing her. Oh my god. What was the point of him, like, dating, and they acted like it wasn't that big of a deal. This is the first woman he's dated since his wife right. died, and they were just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, he's just going on a date. It should have been all about the two of them realizing that they were each what was missing from each other's life. I don't want to see her reconciling with her husband or him going on a date. The movie should have been only about them. And about the business. It should have just, yeah. like, never left the business, you know? I, I, the home life just... And this is... I know we wanted to have a bigger discussion about Nancy Myers, And this is where 
I like her for about half of a movie and then it's like these weird old stereotypes that I feel like are holding us back as women start coming in is the forefront of the message and I'm just like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. this is not what I thought this movie was gonna be and I don't like what you're telling me. I also didn't like how she was holding up Harrison Ford and Jack Nicholson as the epitome of manhood that <laughs> all internet bros should aspire to. Because right. all I could think about was abusive drunk and procurer of underage girls. Mm. <laughs> Wait, Harrison Ford's an abusive drunk? Was. Yeah. Oh. Harrison Ford's lawyers, he please do not come after me. Seems like a lovable curmudgeon. <laughs> He was really hot in the seventies, though. No, well, um, Jack Nicholson never is, did it for this me. This is just this is just Nancy Myers, though. Yeah, I mean, Anne Hathaway's character suddenly sounds like a sixty-five-year-old woman. Well, and can we talk about her mom jeans? Can we just fucking talk about those nineteen ninety-two belts? Do not insult Anne Hathaway's wardrobe. It was awesome. No, some pieces were, and then there's mom jeans underneath a fabulous coat. Just saying. I don't think Nancy Myers is so interesting to me because I was I was thinking about this. I want to love so many of her movies and I'm looking like right now I'll just talk about only the ones she's directed. I actually think the ones that she's written but not directed are maybe stronger. Um, but I'm looking at the list of like six movies she's directed in her career and my absolute favorite out of all of them is the Parent Trap remake. Oh, love which I would probably also hold up as the most feminist out of all of them. <laughs> that's a little bit strange um but none of the other movies like make me mad i just kind of wish that they were a little bit tighter and had a little bit more to say and that maybe one of them wasn't about upper middle class white people it's always about a woman finding meaning in a man and if she finds love then she has meaning in her life and it's always these very accomplished women and it's like why why can you not have professional success? Why does it always have to be, you know, love? Well, and I think if you're going to go that way, I think she has done it well before, even though it's got a little bit of a, like, you should cut 20 minutes out of this movie kind of a vibe to it. I think Something's Gotta Give handles that really well. I mean, Diane Keaton gets to go out with Keanu. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I really want to speak in defense of Something's Gotta Give, because I think it's a great movie. And I think that um, from beginning to end, I think it really actually works great as a story of a strong woman who basically succeeds on her own terms and gets yeah. the cute boy if she wants yeah. him. And, you know, then she doesn't want him, but she could have had him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of good stuff that she explores. I just kind of wish that there was, that it was being pushed further. I you know what I'm going to say? I really wish that this script had been written by a younger woman, the intern. Oh, shit. I do. <laughs> because I feel like that's a really outdated generational thing. And I don't think a lot of young... I mean, I live in the Bay Area. I see these women in tech, and they are busting their butts. I wonder what her version of this movie would have been if she had written it, like, right when she was starting to have success with, like... Private Benjamin back in the day when she was like fighting her way to be on top instead of sort of like, you know, she's kind of she's a Hollywood insider for like two decades now. 
Well, I think that I know what, what Shannon's getting at, and it's not that it, it has to be written by a younger woman, but I think that Nancy Myers seems a little out of touch, frankly. She wrote right. a movie full of young people for whatever reason she wanted to, but she shouldn't be writing about young people if she doesn't actually understand this life and the tech world and all these dynamics, because she, she really doesn't. And it, it really showed. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying you can only write your age, but I just feel like that whole third act just felt so old school. And it was like, I I just don't see this happening. But I, I do want to say that I think that what Nancy Myers did write at that time in her life was Private Benjamin. And Private mm-hmm. Benjamin is an incredibly good and groundbreaking film. Um, yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite films. And if for no other reason than that final scene of the movie, which basically is just a giant fuck you to every convention of writing about women and love and careers, that that movie is is great. And she didn't direct it; her husband directed it. But I mean, it's yeah, but it's her vision. It's her vision. I mean, yeah, like, it's her story, and it's her vision, and it's revolutionary. Yeah, and she did some other interesting stuff, like, um, it's a, it's an uneven and weird movie, but, like, then she wrote Jumpin' Jack Flash for, and that's just Whoopi Goldberg on, like, a spy adventure, you know? Like, I love that in the 80s, these kind of movies were sort of allowed to exist in a way that, you know, maybe, maybe even Nancy Myers can't get something like that made now, which is a depressing thought. She had a, she had a really hard time getting this one made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then she also wrote Baby Boom, which kind of, like drives me crazy. I like Baby Boom. You didn't like it? Because it's just all, it's another one that's just all about a woman having to make room for motherhood in her life. But it's not, it's not really, I mean, she, yes, she does have to make room for motherhood, but she also has to sort of rethink her entire work life. And she, again, she succeeds in her work life and she's able at the end to say fuck you to convention. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm being too hard on it. It's like, it's like, Lady and a baby instead of three men and a baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lady and a baby. But d- didn't everyone want to move to a small town in Connecticut and date the local veterinarian? I did. Yeah, sounds good. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I've seen that Hallmark movie a few times. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do. I just want to jump in and and just say that there are a lot of awesome female centric and female created films out there right now, and I've been to. The reason I haven't seen any of the shows you all are talking about is because I've been going to a ton of movies. So if people want to go see some good female electric films, um, may I recommend, uh, if it's playing in your area, Diary of a Teenage Girl, which is um, directed by Marielle Heller, based on the graphic novel by Phoebe Glockner. And it is one of the best movies about uh, teenage girls and sexuality that I've ever seen. And it's also cool because uh, there's a lot of comic book animation in it. Um, Grandma, starring Lily Tomlin, um, was also a really great movie. And I saw it in the middle of all the Planned Parenthood bullshit that was going on. And so it was a really nice uh, escape to go into a world where people talk about abortion and talk about reproductive health. <laughs> and they're not crazy. So Grandma, uh, I saw Suffragette. Uh, directed by Sarah Gavron, written by the amazing Abby Morgan, mm-hmm. who also does The Affair, 
who also did The Hour on BBC. Um, I saw Sicario, which is like a drug lord movie starring Emily Blunt. Um, Love her. She's she's great. She was kind of like, I don't know what her role in this film was, to tell you the truth, except to be appalled <laughs> uh, and to be like the audience stand-in and just be appalled oh, by what was going on. Well, it was but, originally written as a male character, and they changed mm-hmm. it to female for her. So that's, that is that. That is great. And no, it's it's a it's a pretty compelling film uh, with a lot of good characters, especially Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin, um, beautifully shot by Richard Deakins. It's super gorgeous. Um, I saw Anomalisa, which is the new animated puppet movie from Charlie Kaufman. I heard it's amazing. Oh, which our friend painted the puppets for. Really? Yes. Oh. Shout out to Aaron Rivera. Yeah. Oh, well, way to go. It's completely nuts, but I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> it was amazing. Cool. Uh, but it is, whatever you expect from Charlie Kaufman, it's going to give it to you. <laughs> um, and finally, I just saw Room starring Brie Larson. I'm dying to based see on it. The book. And I cannot recommend it more highly. And I was a little wary of going to see it because... I thought, oh, it's going to be creepy and scary, and honestly, it's just a really beautiful movie and beautifully acted, and the um, Jacob Tremblay, who plays the little boy, is exceptionally good, so. Brie Larson is amazing, but I, this book fucked me up so much that I don't even know if I can watch the movie. Like, I was having, like, anxiety panic attacks reading the book so much so that I had to skip ahead. And see what happened before I could actually read it. That's how <laughs> emotionally terrifying it was. Brandy, I'll watch it and let you know because I know your level of what you can handle usually. <laughs> I don't know. This might be one I have to wait where I can just like dry heave and cry through the whole thing. Mm. Right. Instead of like scaring people in a movie theater. <laughs> totally. Well, the whole theater so. was sort of silent except when we were crying. But... Again, yeah. I don't I don't like scary movies. I don't like creepy movies. And I just really, really like this. And I think I'm going to go see it again tomorrow night because it's being shown with the full cast and crew in a panel oh. afterwards. Cool. And um, nice. I'm just going to watch the whole movie again so I can hear them talk about the film. That sounds amazing. I love Brie Larson. If you guys haven't watched Short Term 12, it is oh, such an incredible movie. film. And it's... Really sad that small independent films can't even be considered for Oscars because they don't have the money to market because she should have won an Oscar for that role. And I'm sure she'll win one for Room because at least there's a bigger studio behind it. (laughs) Well, Room Room won the Audience Award at the Toronto International Film Festival. And there's some incredible track record of films that won that Audience Award and then won Best Picture. It's really crazy, actually. So... All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Downton Gabby Off Season. Um, please tweet at us or write to us on Facebook and let us know what you're watching, what you're loving, what you're hating, how much you can't wait to, for Downton Abbey to come back. Just tell us everything. And we will see you next month with more thoughts and opinions, as always. Thanks for listening. West Covina. Oh.